Thank you so much for joining The Broken Road to Mental Health in Life and in Business. I am your host, Sharon Feckety, the author of The Broken Road to Mental Health in Life and in Business. I hope you will go on Amazon and purchase the book or download it on Audible and listen to the book so you can get some more insight as to why I decided to start this podcast show a few years ago and continue the conversation. You're going to hear from professionals. You're going to hear from people with lived experience, those that struggle with anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. Uh, You're going to listen to people that have recovered. Uh, You're going to hear resources about how you can navigate through this broken road to mental health and life in a business. And you will certainly be hearing me talk about the importance of having this discussion in business today. That is what I speak about at conferences, and I hope that you will take it seriously. We need to speak more about mental health in the workplace. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please be sure to tell somebody you know that might be struggling to subscribe, to listen, to watch and share it with others. You are not alone on this broken road to mental health. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are at the show, ready or not. Today, I'm very happy to bring you another Sharon. Sharons are great people, (laughs) dare I say. If you were dared by your mothers to be called Sharon, then you are a daring woman indeed. So it is my turn to interview uh, Sharon Grossman today, the burnout doc, which I love talking about burnout. Everybody's talking about burnout, which that's good. I think that if we bring more attention to this subject, maybe we won't be so burnt out, you know? So before we get started today, first and foremost, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I love our chats. They're not often enough, but when they are, they're furious, quick and furious. So um, you are a psychologist, a coach. You got your doctorate degree in psychology from Fordham university you fancy (laughs) and i like it you like fancy well nothing turns me on more than a smart woman Mm. thank you you're welcome we need more of us (laughs) (laughs) yes we do we are not chickens we are eagles that soar i heard that in a podcast today so um, not only am I a host and you are a host, we listen to them too. Shocking. <laughs> exactly. What podcast are you listening to? So I am listening to the Huberman lab kind of religiously, uh, which really tells me how to live my life in a, an optimal way, if you will. Okay. And I listen to the life coach school because I'm all, all about coaching and your brain and how you think. I love it. And uh, honestly, th- those are my two faves. I love it. And there are, there's got to be like some faves because otherwise we'd be listening to 10 million podcasts. 
we don't have time for that. <laughs> we'd never get any work done. We have to work. <laughs> but you know, every once in a while, when I've got more time, I'll I'll go in, I'll listen to some other things. I like Oprah's as well, because she's got some really cool guests on there. True. So what some... about what about Brene when she was doing hers? God, you know? I she's like my hero, honestly. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna get her back? I want her on my podcast. Oh, girl. I mean, <laughs> yes. And until that happens, I'd have, I'd be happy to just listen to her on anything. You know what I mean? And I think like, maybe if we can tie this in a little bit, maybe she took her hiatus from podcasting. So she doesn't burn out. Well, I had this conversation just this morning with another friend who is an entrepreneur and a speaker. And I said that I said, I do believe that Brene, so if any of you that are listening or watching have not listened to Brene Brown's everything, but her Dare to Lead and Unlocking Us podcast were definitely in my rotation. Were they in yours? Yeah, for okay. sure. She has been on, let's call it a hiatus or I'm never doing this again <laughs> since the beginning of this year. Mm -hmm. It's a long time for us to be without her. Yeah. Well, there's always Netflix. You can watch that on rotation because she right. just, she just killed it on her special, but we digress. <laughs> well, we don't digress here. We talk about these things because I think that it is important that if you do feel like something that you're doing is burning you out, yeah. even if it is successful and it's bringing in a shit ton of cash, you step out because you're being on this earth is way more important and your sanity than doing anything anytime. So let's talk about you and why you decided to write an international best-selling book, The 7E Solution to Burnout, Transforming High Achievers <laughs> from Exhausted to Extraordinary. So why, I always like to hear the story of why you get into the work that you do. Yeah. So I was working as a therapist at the time and I kind of started to see that there were some things that just kept repeating themselves. So my patients would come in and they'd have very similar issues and the things that I was teaching them and the skills that I wanted them to learn, the strategies, all these things, um, it almost became codified, if you will, right? There were certain things where I was like, okay, if you got this problem, we got to do this. And if you got this thing, you got to do that. So, you know, you do it long enough where you kind of start to see patterns. And I thought it would really be great if I could take all of this stuff that I'm teaching my clients and I can put it into a system for people where they, you can like hold it in your hands, right? You can pick up a manual and could be like, there are all the things that can make me have an amazing life. And if I'm struggling, then it can help turn things around. And then I thought, well, what do I want to focus on as the quote unquote challenge that people are facing? And I kind of landed on burnout and it was almost like a subconscious decision. I have to say in retrospect, because what like the early part of the story is if we were to rewind the tape is that as a graduate student, I attended the American Psychological Association's annual conference one year, 
And there was a psychologist there giving a talk on burnout for solo practitioners. So he kept saying how, you know, when you are in private practice, you're seeing patient after patient, you are isolated, you don't have a team around you. And that is very often a recipe for burnout. And I said, you know, that doesn't apply to me because I'm not going into private practice. So I kind of like stored that in the back of my brain. And then I got my degree and I went off and I started working for a nonprofit. And I loved it because I had a team and we had didactics and it was just like a really nice blend of things. But I'd been there for a bunch of years and kind of went up the ladder to the point where the only place for me to go was into management. And I said, I did not go to school for 10 years to sit in a meeting and talk about statistics and donors. Like that's not what lights me up. <laughs> not your bag. Not I my thing. Uh-huh. I mean, it is for some people just that's that, that wasn't my thing. I'm like, I want to sit with people and I want to like, you know, do the therapy thing or the coaching thing. Like that's, that's what speaks to me. So I started looking around for where am I going to go from here? <clears throat> And the thing that was always at the forefront of my mind was my value for lifestyle, like the work-life balance piece, right? I didn't want to work somewhere where it was going to be super demanding, really long hours, nights and weekends. I didn't want to commute on bridges and tunnels. Like I just wanted a simple life. I really did. Like, I want to do what I, what I love to do. And then I want to go home and I just want to chill. And the more I looked, the more I realized that whatever it was that I was looking for just didn't exist. And then I said to myself, well, if it doesn't exist, I have to create it. And there you go. So then I ended up in private practice and it was at that point that that session came back to the front of my mind. And I said, oh, right, there's that danger. Right. So did you ever experience that danger? So no. So it was at that point that I said to myself, I'm going to do this smarter. Okay. Good. I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen. And so I went out and I looked for a, an office space that mm -hmm. was walking distance to my gym. Oh, very nice. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. So then I scheduled my patients so that I had like a batch in the morning. Uh -huh. I did all the notes for those folks. I took a large chunk of time to go to the gym, come back, have lunch, and then see my afternoon folks. Do my oh. notes, go home, done. That That is a very nice balance. Bravo to you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so- so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. But then when I was thinking about writing the book, I thought th there's something here mm. because I mean, yes, I, I I'm hearing people come in they're talking about stress and they're talking about anxiety. Not a lot of people are talking about burnout and this is pre COVID. So I started doing research on it and there really wasn't a lot on the subject at that time. We're talking uh, 2018 is when I started doing this. What was out there was stuff that had to do with organizational 
strategy, if you will. So it's, it's basically saying you are the problem. You are causing all of your workers to burn out. You need to do X, Y, and Z to change the system. So people don't burn out. And I was like, that's great. Except that if I'm the employee and I'm burned out, I've got to rely on my company to take charge, to change. And let's be honest, how many companies are actually going to do the work? A. And B, when they decide to do something different, how long does change actually take? It could be years. And in the meantime, if I'm burned out, it's a very hopeless feeling that I have to rely on something external for me to feel better. So I thought, I want to write a book for the people. I want to write a book about like what you can do to help yourself when you're burned out. So you don't have to sit around and wait that maybe somebody else is going to do something to change. Mm. And I love this. So how can, because I'm thinking about your, how you designed your life, you know, like I believe I have a design for living. So I have a design for my business life as well. I don't um, take any appointments until 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. because I have a very slow integration into my day. And when you do the work that you do and the work that I do, we know that stress is involved or whatever we want to call that. So how do you set yourself up for success? And your setup for success was so beautifully planned out, you know, putting, thinking about your workout because your workout screams, this is how I need to take care of me. And then I can manage all of this. So your book, I'm quite sure is very, very helpful How does one do that? Because you and I are very lucky in the sense we're entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine working for somebody else at this stage? No way. (laughs) No way. Never again. Like literally never. But those people, which is majority that have to work for someone else. And we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. I've been there. You've been there. It just doesn't work for us. How do we do that? while working in corporate, while working somewhere else. So you have these great types to decode burnout. Do you, before we get to that, do you have an answer to what I just asked or does that kind of parlay into the three types? No, it's it's totally separate. So to your point, if you're an entrepreneur, you clearly have more flexibility. And that, if you think about it, is the benefit that we get for doing everything that we do. When you think about employees, they get a lot of benefits from their employer. Like they get a steady paycheck. They get paid time off. They get all these things, health insurance. We don't get any of that. So for us, it's like flexibility is Mm. everything. That Mm. is the benefit, right? So I just want to say that just so that everybody's clear that, you know, it's, it's nice, but it comes with a price. If you're an employee, yes, you get all those benefits. But number one, we also know that 25% of employees don't take all of their vacation days. So it's not just about, do you have an amazing benefits package, but are you making the most 
from your benefits package? Are you taking all your vacation days? Now, a lot of high achievers actually don't want to go on vacation because they're so worried about the emails that are going to pile up and the work that's going to pile up that it's kind of like the self-talk is when I get back, I'm going to be so overwhelmed. It's not worth it. I might as well just stick it out. I might as well just stay. Right. And that's just a short-term strategy. So it really is about figuring out how do you change the system within what you're doing? Does it mean that you have to ask for some things to be taken off your plate? Does it mean that you are more focused at certain times of the day? Are you prioritizing? Like all the time management things can come in and be helpful. The other thing is, and this is what I usually talk about when I share my burnout story and I am doing this like in a keynote, I'll, I'll say like the lesson here is exercise for me in that story was my non-negotiable. So I had to bake it in. And so I want to know what is your non-negotiable? It might be exercise, but it might be something else. You've got to first identify what that is for you. And then we got to figure out how to bake it in, right? Mm. Now, some of my clients previously were working for, let's say, a university or for corporate or whatever. So does your company have a gym on site? Is there a gym that you can join that's near your place of work? Sometimes they would go early in the morning before work, shower, and then go to the office. Sometimes they would go during their lunch break. And sometimes that was the thing that was going to get them out the door on time from the office rather than stay longer and longer and longer because the to-do list never ends. So if you know you've got a six o'clock spinning class or a you know Pilates class or whatever it is, you're out the door to make sure that you get there. And that's great accountability in terms of getting out on time, but also getting your workout in. So mm. that's just an example when it comes to workout. But again, it's really about what is your non-negotiable and figuring that out first and then how to bake it in second. And that's a really different style to what I grew up in. And I'm so grateful that, you know, you exist and that there's more, um, you know, conversations like this happening because before it used to be like, all right, you don't have any choice. You just, you need a job. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have benefits survival. Right. But yeah. now, I mean, while you were talking, I was thinking about all of the, the parents out there that maybe their non-negotiable is that they have to coach T-ball. So they have to be out by three o'clock. Knowing that before you go in is it's fantastic. So you can negotiate that instead of what, you know, my brain was uh, trained to do prior to going into corporate, which was, you know, how much money are you going to make and what are the employee benefits? It was never this life outside of what I was going to do every day from the nine to five, which basically meant nine to whenever we were done. <laughs> And I want to add to what you just said, because there are a lot of parents out there that have those kinds of time restrictions because of their kids. Mm -hmm. And while you want to coach your kid's team, and you might consider that a non-negotiable, it's not enough of a non-negotiable. Because what we're talking about here 
are non-negotiables to maintain your sanity, right? We're, this is a mental health podcast. We're here to talk about mental health. If you are doing work and then you're going to coach the team and then you got to go home and you got to deal with dinner and bedtime and all that stuff. When are you getting time for yourself? In other words, that is your non-negotiable. You've got to have time for yourself at some point. Now, I just was on another podcast where the host was telling me how when she was before she became an entrepreneur, when she was in corporate, she would work until seven o'clock at night. And then when she had a kid, she would leave at 530, go rush and get the kid out of preschool, come home, make dinner, feed the kid, have bedtime, get back on the computer to compensate for the fact that she left work early and then go to sleep, do it all over again. Mm. And then she burned out. Mm -hmm. Right. It's too much. It's yeah. just too much. And it too much. it's too much and it's not enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't even understand anybody's way they work today. You know, to me, it's so foreign. Like I, I'm personally, you know, when my day starts, it's, it's selfish. It's selfishly planned. Mm -hmm. Right. So I have to selfishly exercise, meditate, walk out in nature, um, listen to my podcast, and then I can go into the day versus how other people think. Now, I do believe that we can, and I, I do believe we're talking about mental health. Yes. No, I do it all day long. I just left a, a keynote talking about mental health where they didn't want to put mental health in the title, which was fantastic for me. I really enjoyed that because um, it went in the title, but you know, there is differences for everybody. What I've realized because my whole thought process about what back in the day, what mental health would look like would just be going to therapy or just be going to 12-step recovery or just, or just, or just. And what I realized, especially being married to somebody who doesn't do any of those things, his therapy is working out or mowing the lawn. And yeah. those are his non-negotiables, right? Like he has to be able to build those into his life or he can't, he can't be happy. He can't be mentally well. So I do think that it is definitely different for every human being. And that's why I like the idea today more of like, it's not one size fits all, you know, we need to have different sizes for everybody. If you are a sober woman like me, you absolutely hate that there are no other options at that business event you have to go to that happy hour event with no other choices except soda and water. You don't even really have a mocktail on the menu, and I don't really trust it sometimes because I am a sober woman, no alcohol intake. Well, you are so lucky because if you live here in Tampa Bay, we have a beautiful space called Urban Flow that is a non-alcoholic beverage haven. So I'm just going to show you a few of my favorites if you're watching. This one is Hayo. This one is Rockaway, obviously, because I'm from East Rockaway, Long Island, New York. And this one is Busty Lush. Okay. Non-alcoholic beer, woman-owned. This one here is an example of a beer that I would not drink because it's got low alcohol, 0.5%, but I wouldn't touch a drop of alcohol. So I stick to the ones that are absolutely non-alcoholic. 
and they're delicious and they're functional. And this space is right here in Tampa Bay. So if you're looking for a refreshing and a unique selection of functional drinks, oh my God, that are so delicious, check out Urban Flow, baby. Absolutely. And that is a great segue to what I talk about when I talk about the three types of burnout or three burnout profiles, if you will. Um, So to your point, I found that people were talking about burnout in a one size fits all kind of way. In other words, if you look, if you go to Google and you put in burnout, you'll see there's like these three you know, red flags that you want to look out for. It's emotional exhaustion, cynicism, and lowered productivity. And what I've found doing the work that I do, speaking to people and hearing their stories and the way that they talk about their experience, there's so much more to burnout than those three symptoms. One, and The reason people burn out is also not a one-size-fits-all kind of dimension, right? There are so many reasons why people burn out. And if we're going to really explore that, the way that you can make sense of it is this. Burnout, simply defined, is chronic stress. So if you think about what stresses you out and what stresses your husband out, it's probably very different things. Which means that if you had that thing that stresses you out on a chronic rotation, you're going to burn out. But that same thing would not burn him out because it doesn't stress him out to begin with, right? So what I found was this. We burn out for different reasons. And it also means that we need very much customized recovery strategies for each of us, because we have different things that burn us out. Now, there are things that live out there in the world, which is the thing that people usually focus on, your job, your boss, your industry, your husband, your kids, all the things, right? Those are things you typically don't have much control over. And then there are things that I like to focus on, which are internal factors or aspects of your personality, things that you bring to the table that exacerbate your stress. And the good news there is that you can do more about that. And so that's what I like to share with people so that you can take a good look at what are you doing that you could do differently that could completely and radically change your life. Even when your boss, your job, your industry, your husband, and your kids are driving you up a wall, right? And so what I did was I looked at all of these different people who had burned out. I looked at how they were talking about their burnout. I kind of decoded their explanations, their personalities, and how everything ties together. And I consolidated that into these three types. And I think that's helpful. I hope that it's helpful because it just simplifies it so that you can easily understand what's going on for you. And then we can go from there in terms of deriving like what the solution is. 
so far so good yeah. uh yeah i'm totally okay. with you okay cool i'm so, loving this i'm hoping that the audience is learning so much you need to start taking notes people <laughs> okay so here's so here's basically how i think about it the three burnout profiles are as follows you've got the thinker the feeler and the doer the thinker is somebody who spends a lot of time in their head so they're really overthinking a lot of things and that comes out in a variety of different ways it can be in terms of anxiety where i'm constantly worried about things that haven't yet happened i've had clients who are total catastrophizers and they are worried about that thing that's going to happen tomorrow that's going to completely derail them and ruin their life right and day after day they think about the same thing and they just are kind of stuck in that story and it never resolves itself and they never get out of that anxiety you've got the people who similarly have imposter syndrome and so it doesn't matter how good they are at their job how many promotions they've gotten how much money they make how much praise they get they live with the story that they're not good enough that tomorrow people who have been fooled up until this point because they somehow pulled the wool over their eyes will figure it out and at that point all hell's gonna break loose right so you got those people then you've got the perfectionists these are people who have a lot of anxiety about the quality of their work not being good enough so they're spending a lot of time and energy iterating reiterating reiterating and it either doesn't ever get done or you're focused so much on one thing that everything else is now piling up because you don't have time to get to those. And so there's this real imbalance in terms of how much you can get done in terms of like the quantity and the quality, right? Like I'm focused on quality and then meanwhile, quantity is like making me all stressed out. And I also get stressed out when things aren't perfect or when other people aren't living up to my standards, things of that nature. So all of those things are very much some of the things that the thinkers are stressed out by that can lead them to burnout. Yeah. So have you ever been any of those things? I was never really an anxious person. Mm-hmm. And I don't really consider myself a perfectionist, mm -hmm. which um, I'm grateful for. <laughs> I'm like, I feel very lucky that yeah. I didn't have to go through that because it is, it's hard. And yeah. I have a lot of perfectionistic clients. And I actually had this conversation with my group just earlier this week where we're talking about perfectionism and everybody in the group has some level of perfectionism. And we had a couple of people say, I don't want to compromise on quality. So their solution then, because something has to give, right? Their solution then was to find somebody that they can delegate some tasks to. So they have fewer things on their plate and the things that they have, they can focus on quote unquote, to be perfect. Whereas um, now they won't have as many things, so they don't have to work as long and, and et cetera. So that's one solution to the problem if you can afford to do that. Mm -hmm. um, another person in the group said that she has learned to live with, if 
I don't want to do it. That's the price I pay. In other words, like someone else is going to do it. They're not going to do it at the same level that I would do it, mm. but that's the price I pay for not having to do it myself. So I have to learn to live with that. That's another version of figuring it out. Right. Um, and then the thing that I like to work with people on and the thing I really wrote about in my book when it comes to perfectionism is really learning to let go a little bit of those unattainable standards that stress you out so much and figuring out, is it really necessary to be at that level all the time? Or can we maybe pick and choose some things that are really important? Like if you're an airline pilot, we want perfection right? We don't want any planes crashing because you're kind of off your game today. Mm -hmm. There are certain things that you really don't want to compromise on, but there are probably things that you're overly focused on in terms of quality that take up a lot of your time and energy that maybe aren't life and death that you can let go a little bit on. Mm -hmm. So those are some things to examine as an example. So you're not identifying with any of those things. I'm going to identify, I'll identify with, yeah. um, I think, uh, I don't know if it's imposter syndrome, probably because I don't like, I personally, for me, don't like to put myself into like, um, I am this, I am that. Because if I believed the story that everybody was telling me, I would have never left, you know, there's a lot of things I would have never done. I would sure. have left, never left New York. I would have never opened my own business. I would have never written a book. I believe a lot of people were telling me these things that maybe I couldn't attain. But I think that sometimes we, for me, I, I think, I think too much of what somebody else might think of me. And then I do it anyway. So it's a full circle kind of moment. And um, imposter syndrome is, is something I hear about so much. Yeah. I do think that we are told a lot to be something else. Mm. And the real beauty of, I don't know if it's aging, healing, therapy, meditation, wisdom, entrepreneur, wisdom, mistakes, falling on your ass. I don't know what it is. You know, that yeah. spiritual awakening or what anybody wants to call it never looks like the Zen Buddha on the beach. Nope. It's a real hurricane of mess that comes through. So um, those are very, it's very interesting because I, I do, of course, working in, in the medical field with a lot of physicians who are uh, claimed perfectionist. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that th that life today has any room for perfection, right? I mean, it's a mess. The world in general is such a mess. It's so it is, it's all about what's going on in our brains. So being able to decode it and really analyze why somebody is, is thinking that way. Hence why I'm not a psychologist. I'm just the human that has gone to see some in the past and has worked with some on their marketing skills. But um, it is a great opportunity for growth to be able to understand why you do the things that you do. Yes. Absolutely. And having somebody like yourself is such a benefit, especially in a group or one-on-one or, -on -one or whatever it is, because mm -hmm. talking through that 
is where we get the answer. We actually don't get the full answer in our own brains. It has to come out. Yeah, you you have blind spots for sure. And sometimes when you're talking to somebody else, they see something in you that you don't see in yourself. But mm-hmm. when they say it to you, you're like, oh yeah, that makes yeah. sense, right? So totally. that, that aha moment. And to your point about physicians, because I've worked with a number of them. Yes, there's a lot of them that are definitely perfectionists. And sometimes I get the question, well, I'm a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Like I have to be a perfectionist. And to that, I say, it's not just about how you do the work that you do, but it's also about the expectation that you have of yourself. Because here's the thing, you can do your absolute best and yet you will not do it perfectly no matter what. You will at some point make a mistake. You Mm. will have some sort of medical error along the way because you're human. Right. And it's the question then is, what do you do with that? Because you hold yourself to such a standard that when that medical error happens, you end up spiraling so bad that you're stressed out, burned out, overwhelmed, and anxious about, is it going to happen again? And you get into that thinker profile really Mm. badly, right? So it's not just about the standard that you hold yourself to in terms of like doing the quality of the work, but it's also about what do you do when you don't live up to that Mm -hmm. in your own mind? Yeah, totally. I could relate it right back to podcasting. I have so many people that have told me that they're starting a podcast, clients, Mm -hmm. friends, entrepreneur, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people. And I, um, just, I am not that person. I make a decision. I don't care. You know, this background is from Amazon. If you're watching, you know, it doesn't matter to me that people know that. Um, I change my background every once in a while. I do my Zooms. I have an audiologist that actually sends me messages about how I don't use my Yeti correctly. I just laugh about it because it doesn't bother me. And I realized for me, the only way to actually figure something out is to do. Mm-hmm. And that perfectionism that you talk about is so real and so big that I feel like it really stunts people from yeah. taking that next step. Absolutely. What would it look like to fail? What would it look like if somebody saw the background moving? It would look like shit. Yeah. But how scary is that? Nobody died here today. (laughs) Actually, I had no idea that it wasn't a real background until you said something. So, you know, you're doing pretty good, I think. Voila. (laughs) Tap on the back. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you, you have done it and I, you know, it, it, nothing that we, it is a lot of pressure. And I too, like yourself, I don't struggle with anxiety. Um, I, I, I'm a doer. Uh, I don't think about too often, you know, how is this going to look or how is this going to sound? I'm going to be true to that, but that came after years of work, Mm -hmm. the work, the practice, the the trying something different, the designing my life around a gym. I have a home gym. Nice. And when I say home gym, I don't even want you to think it looks good. It's weights in my living room, people. The question is that, do you use it? Every single day. 
then you are in the 1%. Thank Probably. you very much. I'm so happy you asked. And I guess what else I have? I have a Peloton. I want to even say I have one and I use one now, not just I have one. I have one and I use one, which is beautiful. That's not a brag thing. That is just, I realize all of what you are talking about today is a practice. You know, yes. that's how it's I a, interpret it. It's a practice, but it's also a mindset. Yes right? It's like, I have to get into the mindset that exercise is important, Mm -hmm. that I have space in my house. I would more likely do the exercise if I had the equipment Mm -hmm. and therefore I buy the Peloton and I actually use the Peloton. Right. Right. Right? Like it it starts from that place. So that's the thinker. Mm -hmm. And then from there we go into the feeler and these are your people pleasers right? They're, they feel so much other people's pain. They want so much to please other people that they typically take on too much because someone asked. Mm. They don't want to disappoint. Mm-hmm. They feel like it's their job to please. And what happens is they end up feeling resentful if the other person doesn't reciprocate and guilty if they say no. So they're kind of stuck in that bind, which is problematic. So if for the thinker, we would say the ultimate thing is to really have more self-compassion and rethink what's really important to you and how do you fit into this equation? I would say for the feeler, it's about having better boundaries and reshuffling kind of the cards when it comes to like how you identify your worth as a human. In other words, are you waiting for somebody else to validate you? Are you waiting for somebody else to reciprocate or are you truly being authentic and doing something because you want to help? And then the third type is your doer, which you mentioned that you are. Mm -hmm. And those are people who end up taking on too much because they have this need to prove their worth through their work, through their productivity. And so they're constantly doing with this myth in the back of their mind that when I achieve this, then I will have arrived. Like, then Mm. I'll feel good. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll have all the things. And we all know that that doesn't actually come to fruition because as soon as you get that accomplishment or you achieve that task or that job, that goal, the project, you then go on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And there's always a next thing, right? So we always feel like we're in this compulsive hamster wheel and we never really get to that thing that we're chasing. And that leads to burnout too. Yeah. So enjoy the flow, right? Let's try to enjoy the flow. Enjoy the flow. So So, so we have to stop today. I would love to have you back again, but um, my audience has an attention span of a flea, which means (laughs) uh, I've been told multiple times that part twos are better than continuing the conversation because I do, even for me, and I host it, right? So I like to absorb it, pick it apart, and then bring it back. You know, and what what have we learned? 
And um, and I also want to ask because I'm so excited. First, I want Dr. Sharon Grossman. All right, let's please. I can't even imagine what it's like going to Fordham and getting doing all the work to get a doctorate degree. Like, bravo to you. Thank you. I wish that it. I'm going to have you edit that title. It should be Dr. Sharon Grossman. I, I know it says the burnout doc, but my God, you should have that tattooed right across your forehead. You have worked very hard to get to where you are today, to do what you're doing today. And you are an example for so many that you have done that almost like you've done all the academia and you have designed your own life. Mm -hmm. You are a product of what you teach which is so necessary, I feel like for so many out there, especially in your profession that have really just studied and all of it. And then some don't apply it, but you apply it and you fly with it. And I just want to congratulate you for that. And I think that everybody should definitely check out your book, all of the information, um, not just for the book, but to your podcast show, which I highly recommend will be in the show notes. So I just wanted to say thank you for being here and let's look out for part two, everybody. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Let's Sharon Grossman, the burnout doc. Dun, dun. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. If you live here in Tampa Bay, we have a beautiful space called Urban Flow that is a non-alcoholic beverage haven. If you're looking for a refreshing and a unique selection of functional drinks, oh my God, that are so delicious, check out Urban Flow, baby.